Hey, and welcome to the College Student Success Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping college students with mental health issues set and achieve goals for themselves to get them where they want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 28 of the podcast. 28. Here we go. Uh, so week 14, we have, uh, this is the third to last podcast of the semester. So there will be an episode next Monday, and our final episode will be in a week from today. Amazing, right? Um, I am really sort of proud of myself for getting to this point. Um, I think I saw a study, a very rough study, that said something like podcasts, um, the average length of a podcast, I think, is something between 30 and 50 episodes. So I'm getting close to 30. I'll have 30 by the time I'm done. And uh, I uh, thank you for listening. And um, so in an attempt to get more listeners, just wanted to mention I'm running a contest. It will run for another week. I announced it last week. And it's very simple. I'm looking for some reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. And I believe I'm coming to Google Play soon whenever they start their podcast directory. Um, But I got... Uh, I registered, and supposedly it's going to be happening soon. Um, So write a review for iTunes or Stitcher and win 100 bucks. Um, The way to do it is really quick. Go on iTunes or go log into Stitcher, write a review of the College Student Success Podcast, and then send me an email at collegestudentsuccesspodcast at gmail.com. Let me know who you are just so that I have a way to reach out to you when I do the drawing a week from Saturday, and we'll be informing the winner at that point. So, again, as I informed people on Monday, we don't have any responses yet. So if you send me an email and write a review, you have a really good chance of winning 100 bucks at this point. Uh, And who couldn't use 100 bucks this time of year from Amazon? Anyway, uh, today's episode is about loneliness. And that's all I called the episode for today, Loneliness. I wanted kind of a lonely-sounding title. And so I'm going to talk about what is so devastating about loneliness and why I'm going to talk about it today. First, let's tell some stories. (laughs) Let's embarrass Derek a little. So I'm going to tell two stories today. really get a lot of uh, my past. Uh, So... This one, first one, is talks about um, internet friends, right? So I'm going to talk later about how social media really isn't a substitute for, like, real human friendship and, and connection, you know? There's hanging out with somebody and um, talking on some sort of instant messaging platform is not the same as facing the person in, uh, you know, wherever, uh, a diner or even at the person's house or whatever and it having that same exchange there's I don't know I don't there I, I really think there's like an exchange of energy in some sense that we haven't figured out yet um, but I think there's something to be said for friendship that can be found on the internet right um, there's a million uh, online dating success stories and really that's about I think helping people connect with one another more than actually develop a relationship online but anyway, um, similar interests, right? So I am a fan of the fa- uh, fan of the band Fish. P- that's P H I S H, uh, you know, jam band. And then subsequently um, became, you know, after I got interested in that kind of music, I explored some of the other bands and became an even bigger fan of the band Mo M O E. P 
period, <laughs> lowercase m. So uh, right around 2003, 2002 or so, I was spending a lot of time on message boards. And I'm going to say which one, it doesn't matter. But if any of you have spent time on message boards, you kind of know, you know, some of the culture um, that develops, you know, there's just like, um, message boards or forums have their own culture, they have their own set of rules, they have their own social norms, you know. So that was the time when I started getting into, you know, fish message boards, and then eventually this Mo board. And I developed sort of a friendship with uh, a bunch of like, kind of we developed this tight knit group of people that were fans of the band. And uh, we would go to the shows and meet up prior, you know, at a bar or something. Um, this was definitely when I was still drinking. And, uh, you know, hang out with each other and uh, then go to the show and hang out maybe there. And, and, and a lot of people are still really good friends to this day. Um, I still, when I go see Mo, which is not nearly as often as I did in 2002 and 2003, um, you know, still see a lot of these people and uh, still have a friendship, even though I'm not really present on the forums anymore. The forum kind of died out. So... I say this because I always felt weird when I was when I would tell people. It'd be like I'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to a show." And I'd be like, "Oh, you know, who are you going with?" I'm like, "Well, you know, if I was going by myself, I really wasn't feeling like I was going by myself because I was going with my quote unquote internet friends um, that I was really considered friends in real life, but didn't um, you know necessarily spend that much time with. Um, so it was sort of weird, and especially in the time before social media and Facebook, you know. Um, before I was on it, at least, um, you know, this was our way to connect. And so it, the thing was, though, the, the, the human connection was really important in those relationships. Um, it would not have been a strong friendship if all we did was talk on message boards in forums all day, every day, which is kind of what we did. But we supplemented that with actual meeting up, you know, I don't know, three, four, five times a year. Uh, and at least one of those meetups, which was like an annual festival, got almost everybody uh, there. And it was three full days. So you may not spend the whole three days with the pers- with people, but you got to see people. You got to party with them. You got to really bond. And you left those, those shows and those weekends just feeling ecstatic about life. Um, so I really give a lot of props to my quote-unquote internet friends, especially the ones in the fish and the, the mo world. Um, but even in, like I said, my geeky side fantasy baseball, you know, I've been in a league with some guys now for five or six years and the OGs that have been there in the beginning since I have, or, you know, I almost consider them friends now, even though I've actually never met them. Um, so I definitely don't want to write off, um, communicating online as, as a supplement, I guess, of, of friendship and in human connection, um, that didn't exist a long time ago, but now does. Um, so the second story though, kind of relates to more recent times. And as I've talked to you guys, uh, frequently about my love of journaling, I don't, I don't journal a lot. Um, you know, I don't do it every day. I do it when I feel like I need to. So I have one journal where I just sort of, you know, when I'm feeling a particular 
you know, emotion. And I just get the sense like I should write this down. I have a place I do that in. But I also have like a monthly check-in type of journal. And that's because I use the Passion Planner. And every at the end of every month, you sort of take a look back and take stock of your month and see what it was like. You know, you, it starts off, they ask you to rate the month on a scale of 1 to 10 and talk about the most memorable aspects of the month and what lessons you learned and if you're happy with the way you spent your time. And it's been a really cool exercise to do this on a monthly basis. And and now it's December. So I've done this, you know, since January, faithfully, you know, the first couple of days of the month, looking back on the month prior. And it's interesting because doing it that way, you can look at big chunks of time, you know, a month. And I look at the weekends, you know, I write in a lot of stuff. And I sort of summarize it. And sometimes I'm like, you know, you don't think it was that good a month. And then you look back and you're like, oh, wow, I forgot about that. And oh, wow, that was that month too. And then some months it's just like you look and you're like, man, nothing really happened this month. Um, Fortunately, there were more of the the former than the latter. Um, I had a really good year. (laughs) And but one troubling trend I noticed when I would look is sometimes I would see some rather empty weekends. And I wrote about this, you know, a couple of times. And I'd look back and be like, you know, didn't spend as much time with friends as I would have liked. And once it's kind of became a pattern, it, it was um, right around this time, it's like September, um, where I had sort of a falling out with some friends. And I think I talked, you know, very vaguely about it um, because I was podcasting at that point. And... I um, really learned the value of friendship when I had that experience and how much I learned about a concept I'll talk about a little later, this idea that friendship really takes work. Um, So one thing, another thing I will say is that in thinking about how I spend my time, you know, I I, I don't feel lonely. Um, I have a wife, I have a son, I have in-laws that I see multiple times a week. You know, I go out to dinner with them usually at least once a week. Uh, I see my family. Uh, I do have good friends that I see on a regular basis. And then I have some friends that I see on a not-so-regular basis. Um, So I don't want to come across this, this, you know, sort of hermit that just sits there and podcasts once or twice a week. Um, But... I don't know if that's to me a little bit different than friendship. You know, your family is, is definitely important. You know, you're not going to hear me say otherwise, but it doesn't replace the, the value of spending time with a good friend. You know, I went to a conference uh, back in June in Philadelphia and I had a, a good friend, really good friend from college that uh, I lived with for many years. And so we we're quite close and he lives in Philly and so I spent the night at his house and he's got a had a new son and he's got a wife and you know just even that little bit of time even though it wasn't that much it's like ah oh, you spend that little bit of time you're like man it, you miss that you know we used to live together <laughs> and it's something to find a friend that you can sort of spend a long time away from and then see for a little while even just a short time and have so many good feelings positive feelings return and unfortunately the opposite is true too (laughs) when you have bad relationships and you go a long time and start to heal and then you see that person it can set you back but um 
This topic was inspired by so many posts I read on Reddit, on the college sub there, of students that are just reporting feeling so lonely. And I wanted to try and address it a little bit today. So this is my attempt to do so. So I started just, I could do, you know, a ton of um, scholarly research on loneliness. Uh, It's a big topic in our field. My former supervisor of mine was really, his passion was social isolation and trying to find an end to that. So that's kind of one thing that got me started thinking about it. But loneliness has been studied fairly extensively. Um, I linked to three more mainstream articles um, just because they're a little bit easier, I know, for you guys to read. I could link to scientific journals for more scholarly research, but what I tried to do was find write-ups about that scholarly research in more major publications. So I have a link for Wall Street Journal article, a Time Magazine article, and the one that I'm going to kind of reference uh, through some of the next uh, few minutes of the episode, uh, an article from Everyday Health. So as I pull that up, it talks about why you should treat loneliness as a chronic illness. So think about that for a second, right? Loneliness as an illness. Um, you know, you, I think some people probably hear that and think, you know, what the fuck isn't an illness these days? You know, some people took issue back in the day of, you know, alcoholism being an illness. Um, and, you know, to a sense, obesity. Um, so this idea that loneliness might be considered an illness might be a little bit of a stretch for some of you, but, you know, sit there, hear me out. Um, it's an invisible epidemic that affects 60 million Americans. Again, this is from an Everyday Health article uh, from, I believe, this year. Um, so they cite a University of Chicago social neuroscientist, John Cassiopo. And he is someone that I found referenced um, throughout the literature that I read about today. The University of Chicago is one of the leading universities in looking at loneliness. Uh, he co-authored Loneliness, Human Nature, and the Need for Social Connection uh, and said had this quote, the brain goes into self-preservation state that brings with it a lot of unwanted effects. When your brain is on high alert, your body responds in kind. Morning levels of stress hormone cortisol can go up because you're preparing for another stressful day. We get a flatter diurnal cycle in that cortisol, which means it's not shutting off as much at night. As a result, sleep is more likely to be interrupted by micro-awakenings. His research suggests loneliness actually alters gene expressions, or what genes are turned off and on in ways that help prepare the body for assaults, but that can also increase the stress and aging. Animal studies have shown that social isolation alters the levels of dopamine, a neurotransmitter that determines impulsive behavior. So think about that, right? This idea that being alone, being lonely, and that is different than being alone, right? Being lonely infers that you would like to be around people but don't have the opportunity. Um, suggests it, you, that prolonged loneliness, I would imagine in this case, actually can alter gene expressions. So I am a huge, you know, proponent of this mind-body connection. I I think it's almost undeniable now in some ways when you look at some science that's been out there. Uh, So this idea that you're, the the more you spend time alone, lonely, 
when you would like to be, you know, around people, it can cause the stress levels to go up and it can alter gene expressions and it can alter levels of dopamine, a neurotransmitter that is really, really, really important. Um, it's not just impulsive behavior. Dopamine is one of the most important neurotransmitters when it comes to your mood. Uh, this combination of toxic effects can impair cognitive performance, compromise the immune system, and increase risk for vascular, inflammatory, and heart disease. Studies show that loneliness increases the risk of early death by 45% and the chance of developing dementia in later life by 64%. Listen to those numbers. Uh, so on the other hand, people who have strong ties to family and friends are as much as 50% less at risk of dying over any given period of time than those with fewer social connections. That's some pretty startling uh, research. And it takes me back to episode, was it 23? Yeah, um, when we talked about the nun studies and this idea that the nuns that wrote about happy emotions in their 20s were the ones that were living in their you know 90s and hundreds and the ones that were writing um, about things that were negative you know negative feelings had all died off this idea uh, kind of it looks at that as well uh, and reinforces this idea that you know human interaction is just so critical to our well-being um, a study presented at last month's Alzheimer's Association in D.C. found loneliness is associated with accelerated cognitive decline in older adults. And research from Brigham Young University published earlier this year suggests that health risks associated with loneliness or social isolation is comparable to well-established risk factors such as obesity, substance abuse, injury, and violence, and environmental quality. In light of mounting evidence that social isolation and loneliness are increasing in society, it seems prudent to add social isolation and loneliness to lists of public health concerns. That is, you know, a little scary. And it's confirmed by what I'm seeing, you know, just anecdotally on these message boards, uh, you know, like, like Reddit, where just I see students reach out and say, I don't know how to get past this feeling, you know. A lot of times it's freshman adjustments and I tried to be supportive and give people the hope that it is just that for those that were just kind of really in early in the transition process and I do contend that that often takes way longer the adjustment period than people want to wait right I mean I remember when I moved I was lucky uh, you know I went away to college in 96 and you know, immediately just fell in with some people that lived on my floor that were really, you know, just good people. And, you know, like I said, that guy that uh, I spent some time in Philly with uh, back in June was one of those people I met that freshman year. He lived on my floor and he is still my friend now, you know, almost 20 years later. So I can totally relate to the feelings of being lonely though is when I think about you know a little bit about this past year and when I think about you know this idea that I spend a lot of time working from home um, you know telecommuting is what they call it the fancy way and I've noticed that I can't do it for more than two days in a row before I'm sort of itching to get back to the office and it's really not to spend any time there 
except to just kind of interact with my colleagues. Um, I read, as I mentioned, the four hour work week a few weeks ago or listened to it on tape. And one of the things that Tim Ferriss talked about in that book was this idea that people need to feel like they're working or doing something productive. And that's why there's such a resistance to let go of the traditional nine to five work week. And I know some of you haven't really been in that grind yet and, and, you know, probably have a hard time wrapping their head around that. But I think so much of what people, you know, get out of working is more than just the, you know, it's obviously more than the money and it's more than this feeling of accomplishment. It's social connections. You know, you, this idea that we have, I think it's self-imposed, limited opportunities to become friends later in life. It's so much easier in college, I feel like, for younger people. I, I know I've heard the complaint from, you know, non-traditional students that it is hard, um, harder for them to feel connected to, you know, you make friends at the same pace as young people in college. But there's just so much exposure in college. You have just so much opportunity to meet people. So this idea that loneliness can be really detrimental to your health is an important one to me. So I think that the articles that I talk about, I'm not going to sit here and read the rest of it. You can read it for yourself. The links are in the show notes. Say a lot um, and I think bring it to light. So what can you do? Um, this is kind of a difficult subject for me to give practical advice on without sounding really lame, right? Just go out there and make some friends. <laughs> Doesn't really seem like it's going to help because people would do that if it were that easy, right? I wouldn't be seeing these message board cries for help and, you know, yearning for connect human connection. So I'll try and offer a few practical solutions. And there's a few listed in that everyday health article I read. Um, even though some really good friendships are easy in a sense, as I said earlier, you know, you, you, you go a long time without seeing somebody you feel really close with and you just immediately fall in line. Like never, you never had that time apart. Um, the friendship itself isn't easy. It takes work similarly to how a marriage takes work or any relationship. You know, it's not just, oh, I found the person. Okay. That's it. You know, I have this friend you have to put work into it. You know, it, life gets in the way sometimes and you have to make time for that person. So many times you hear the excuse of, oh, I've been so busy. You know, I'm so sorry we haven't talked. I can't believe it. It's been so long. And I see a lot of, you know, Facebook meme responses basically to it is like, no, if I was really that important to you, you'd make the time. And I sort of feel that way, you know, and I am guilty of that. And that has been a hard thing for me to come to terms with, but I have. And that's why I've tried to work a little bit harder in the second half of this year, especially on my friendships and the ones I want to keep. Social media is not a replacement for a real human connection. It's better than nothing, but it, as I said, there's some kind of energy transfer that goes on between human beings that cannot happen online. Similar interests seem to hold the key for opening new doors when it comes to friendships, clubs, sports, uh, any kind of groups where people are coming together that have a similar love. You know, like I said, that's how I found my message board. 
I'd just gotten into the band. I was look, I was really into them. I was looking for more info on them. I started reading, and that's really how it started. Is like you are what they call a lurker. <laughs> you sit there and sort of take it all in, and you kind of learn. Oh, this person this has a lot to say, or this person's a really respected person, or this is that really annoying person that nobody really cares to spend that much time with. But we'll let them tag along with us anyway. Um, similar interests and it's hard you know for a lonely person to just kind of walk into a new place Uh, but you know action cures fear right I said it back a couple episodes ago and that's why it holds true Um, you do something you step into it before you know it you're past that fear and you will be thanking yourselves um, tenfold uh, for having given yourselves the opportunity so that is the episode for this week and for today. Um, you know, if you have that person in your life that you have been thinking about calling or reaching out to and you're thinking, shit, it's been so long. I feel so stupid reaching out to this person. Um, action cures fear, dude. Just go out there. Give them a call. They will be happy to hear from you. And they'll probably thank you for it and be like, you know what? I'm so glad you did that because I've been meaning to do the same thing. It's like, you know what, if you can take that step to, you know, initiate the conversation, you know, why not? Right. Um, So, you know, Christmas or the holidays or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. um, They're all coming or here. We're in the middle of Hanukkah. Um, So happy Hanukkah to my uh, Jewish brethren. Um, you know, make that attempt, you know, that sort of forced family gathering in a sense, but make that attempt to reach out to the people in your lives that uh, really mean a lot to you that you may have been slacking on working on that friendship. And if you don't feel like you have any friends, you know, take that step. You know, now's the time. Um, <clears throat> people are in a sort of frantic mood right now, um, but it's going to become a very festive time very soon. So. Hope you guys got some value out of today's episode. I certainly enjoyed doing it. I feel less lonely now. Um, You're less alone. Um, It's sort of a hard thing for me to talk about because I do, in a sense, I I identify as an introvert. Um, I do enjoy some solitude in my life, I got to say. But I also know that I I do have to push myself sometimes to you know, be more social than I would like to be. And I almost always find that when I do push myself, I'm glad that I did. So hope you enjoyed today. Take care, guys. Peace. See you Monday.